I think there's some people who are like, oh, this is interesting. I'll play with this for a minute. And I'm like, no, this is what I'm dedicating my life to. Yeah. Because I have been preparing for this my whole life. I had no idea that it would come this quickly. But this is the culmination of everything I've been working on for my entire life. It's community. It's creativity. It's this many-sum game. It's all ships rise with the tide. It's it's like exactly what I want out of a creative lifestyle. Take all the money out of it. Take all the you know technology out of it. Take everything out of it. And I'm already grateful for. I'm grateful for this conversation. I'm grateful for all the people I met last night at this event I was at. I'm grateful for you know being closer with artists I've met over the internet. Anytime there's a paradigm shift, like it also reshuffles your communities. And that alone is, is, is priceless to me. And so I'm very like, I'm just all in, in a way that I have never been all in on anything. And like, I just begging artists to take it seriously. Cause there's so many people that are like, oh yeah, I'll get around to it. I'm like, no, like now. <laughs> Talking about NFTs and that's Nifty. That's Nifty. All the great artists they come to this place to talk about the crypto space and that's Nifty. That's Nifty. That's Nifty. Your hopes for tonight's podcast are Tyler. Larry and Slime Sunday. Damn, that's nifty. Uh, good morning, everybody. GM, GM. Welcome to That's Nifty. <laughs> GM to everyone who says it back. Yeah. <laughs> got Tyler on here. We got Larry. Yeah, we've got to introduce ourselves still. So today we got an interview with Dave Krugman later on in the episode, but, you know, so much shit's been going on in the space. Kind of want to just give a quick step back from like the last two weeks and kind of update everybody on what's going on. So we want to start back at the uh, Slime Sunday show at Phillips Auction House. Facts. Yes. What the fork. We haven't talked about that since. Um, that was incredible. Just never, surreal. Never been to a gallery show before. Like that was an experience. Yeah, seriously. And the cool part about it was not that it's just like, you know, one of our, our friends who's, who's, you know, got his own auction running. It was more so like you see the physicals, right? You see the digitals, and it's like this is the crossover. Yeah, this is it. And I don't know. It was um, it was cool to watch it play out. It was cool to be there, and uh, hopefully the first of many. But dude, the vault got stolen, dude. Five one of ones. Someone got a steal on that. Yeah, I mean, if you're being pretty blunt, they were all pretty stealish. But yeah. the, the I want to know, I want to know who has it, A, and what are they? Because yeah. I need to see them. Did Mike say when they're going to like, or is it up to the person that got it to even? Probably. He said that, and this was probably like a couple weeks ago now, but he said, or, or after, after the auction ended, he was like, I still don't know who it is. And they can do whatever they want with them, obviously. Yeah. But, well, Whoever you are, let us know. You sleuths <laughs> Show out there. yourself. Yeah, tell us who won <laughs> that shit. And growth. Like, that one was one of my favorite ones because, you know, as Slime gets censored on any of the other platforms, you know, a piece of it will flip over. And he said the first one's going to be, like, intense. Yeah, that was the um, – someone posed a question. If you, It might have been you. You walk out with any of these right now, gut reaction, which one do you take? That was the one, yeah. Yeah, 
I think a lot of people liked the um, replace and repeat. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people liked that one. I mean, who doesn't like boobs? Everybody yeah. likes boobs. Yeah, and in that talk, more owner controlled. Right, right. With with new ones being added constantly, which yeah. is nuts. Yeah, the manifold contracts are just game changers. Like, the, no one. Like, I haven't seen a competitor in the space of like smart contract writing. No, no. There's room there's, for everybody. There's room for everybody. Yeah, we met a lot of cool people there, including Dave Krugman. We met him like a week after we did this interview. Super awesome guy. That was actually hilarious because I remember we were standing together and he was walking over and you're like, Dave, nice to meet you again. He's like, oh. Oh. Yeah, he did a double take. Oh, I thought you were way shorter than that. I got that reaction a lot in New York. I thought you were shorter. Well, same. Yeah, because you sit on the floor. Yeah. Uh, it's... Um, it was just a lot of, I just kept saying IRL, just <laughs> just meeting people IRL. It was nice to finally meet Roger. Yeah, um, great to see Roger. Talking to you guys, I felt small. Roger's, Roger's, Roger's a beast. You two would definitely be our starting front court <laughs> in our men's basketball league. We had Sergito. One of the Cockfosters was there. Yep. I can never. I, I think don't. it was Griffin. Sorry, guys. I can't really tell you apart. You're twins. You probably get that a lot. Sorry. Yeah. Tommy was there. Uh, a lot of cool artists. Ted's Little Dream showed up. Yep. Uh, Threesomes was there. Yep. Got to watch his auction close out for his first ETH piece. That sold was, for 25K. That was maybe the funniest part. It was like, I think he kind of stole the show because he had his his first ETH piece go for, what, 6.8 ETH, something like he that. He apologized to me yesterday. He was like, I felt so bad that that like happened on Slime's night because he like no. yeah I was like dude don't worry about it like we all we can all celebrate all these wins at the same time like it's not a big deal and then the Rob guy just stealing the show being a huge <laughs> financial supporter of that evening for sure uh, yeah he was a Slime Sunday hundred thousand air so yeah he made a bunch <laughs> of money off Slime cool guy shout out Rob out in uh, Orange California killed it flew in. Paid for so much alcohol, I thought we were all going to die. Um, but we're here. That squad was rolling deep. I, my night ended earlier than you guys. You guys you guys went a little bit longer than I did. But <laughs> I'm glad you called it quits when you did. Yeah. No, that was a good squad. Tim Kang. Um, Carson Daly. Medved. Medved. Yeah. Yeah. Ronan was, was – was, was, that was fun. That was a good time. But Just I think a, one night of New York is all I could take. Dude, New York's actually wild. Like, it, there's crazy people there. And maybe I just don't go into the big cities a lot. Like, I went into Boston last night. I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Yep. So that's What the Fork. Great time in New York City. Can't wait to do it again. Fast forward to this week. We had the Nifty Gateway SummerSlam, which was just a pretty fucking cool way to get some of the larger collectors incentivized to scoop those floors out there and get some pieces they've been thinking about getting but hadn't pulled the trigger on. So so before we dive in here though, like I you can't mention one without the other without without super rare and rare, right? Dropping dropping their token and, yeah. and nifty with their secondary SummerSlam. And I can't two help, different approaches. Yeah, and I can't help but think and I know that they were probably cooking it up, but SummerSlam compared to like actually giving your investors or People who use your your site as a as a tool, actual tokens that can be actual dollars or you know a governance token, whatever you want to call it, compared to just here's a leaderboard and a fucking hat if you win <laughs> and like some cool NFTs, obviously, but like 
I don't know, man. Like, I saw it, one as a promo of like a almost like a band aid fix for secondary, whereas rare is more of a long term vision of curation from the community. And I mean, the fucking tokens are worth three dollars. They dropped it a dollar, and now we're three x whatever they gave everybody. And like, that's insane. I don't know how they calculated who gets what, but. Hats off to Super Rare. I think that was the way to go. I don't think Nifty Gateway can do that because they're not as crypto native. I so can't, it's you, know. I, you can't harp on them too much because it was a successful. Oh, it was it was a slam dunk. No yeah. pun intended. Like they they killed it, but they're gonna have to keep these promotions going. I think and like once per season or something, do something like this. Otherwise, it's gonna be like I don't know. It, it seemed like a band aid fix. Yeah, and I can't help but think of, think about it like this too. It's just like. Is that reactionary? Or, like, think about the website fix, right? That's just a visual thing. Which so, I love. So it looks great. I fucking hate it, actually. Wow, let's hear about this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like way, it. way too confusing. Well, that's anything new. Like it's when just it, a facelift. They, they change Twitter, and I'm like, fuck, I don't know how to use okay, this anymore. Yeah, you that, know what I mean? Like, give, it a, give it a minute. I think it looks better. That's fair. But to do that in, in you know, cohesion with the, the event that they put on, it's just like... It just seems it, it seems a little hollow compared to like the long term curator type of approach that Rare took, Super Rare took. And I think Nifty Gateway is putting their foot in the ground, saying we're going to continue curating. It's not up to really the community yeah. as much, which that's fine. You can do whatever you want with your platform, but I think people are going to love that Super Rare is like putting the decisions in the hands of their users. Yeah. So like, it's smart play. I think that. It's better for these platforms to kind of diverge on their plans. That way, they like have their own little niche in the marketplace. But, and, and like by all means, like you can, we have no fucking idea. No, they could have long term plans. They could have governance. We have no and, fucking yeah. idea how these. No, just for like super rare right now and how it works. Like I've oh yeah, in, true. And I'm just like, huh. Yeah, I saw your MetaMask. That was uh, frightening. How much rare you have? Well, was, to not know what to do with it yet. Well, it was like when I when I first saw, I was like, "Oh, that's nice," and like I didn't even know what it was. I honestly just thought it was like a like an imaginary token that I could start buying and trading stuff for within the platform, which obviously it is. But then to figure out how to be able to pull it, trade it, and do whatever I need to do with it at this point now, it's honestly that's life changing money for a lot of people. That's life changing money for a lot, a lot of people. So yeah. it's like. Fuck, man. Well, they, what I heard was, I forgot who told me this, but there's so much rare in the hands of some of the larger people that got the airdrop that, like, they will have most of the pull when it comes to curation, whereas collectors that got, like, a fair amount of rare, like, I heard that they're better off spending that on buying art because I yeah. think that'll be an option as well. I don't think that our governance token portion of it is going to be enough to, like, swing any kind of vote. I don't, yeah, and I don't see it like that. I honestly see it as... It's currency to buy art with, or free money, yeah. Yeah, it's like, wow, you paid me to buy art on your page? (laughs) Okay. I mean, I'm very excited for where both of those are going. My, My theory with SummerSlam and how we saw this boom across the week was that SummerSlam incentivized the very large collectors, right? We'll call them the top 150 of the the SummerSlam, Mm -hmm. to go out and buy a bunch of shit. What that did was put a lot of money into the hands of mid-tier collectors who dumped their bags, basically. Now they have spending money. Mm -hmm. And I think that liquidity 
got put back into the market this week where mm-hmm. they were just buying ETH projects or whether it was, you know, profile picture stuff or jumping into just artifacts. I mean, I, we saw a lot of projects popping off, and I think it's because people had a little jingle in their pocket. Is that your is that your theory on the artifacts boom? Yeah, I think so. I, the artifacts boom was awesome. But, it, like, uh, Roger gave us a little sneak peek on who was coming, what was coming before they officially announced it. But the deface drop was so fucking great to see. Basically, in, immediately... It was that, Reserve yeah, it was... And a, gone, and sold out. All of them are gone, and I think they were selling for, like, two ETH. I saw multiple people buy them, like, on secondary for exorbitant prices, so... So I was looking, and I finally figured out how to fucking just buy the shit on OpenSea. <laughs> and I was like, and this is, like, I saw D-Face go, and I was like, why don't I own any artifacts? So I was like, <laughs> finally dove in and bought bought a, uh, a Too Much Lag um, 3D, and... Was pumped. I was like, "All right, yeah, point two five. Like, I like this is a good avatar project. If I were to fucking like look to invest in that." And then the next day, I bought a Zulo, and and like they both. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm the fucking man. I buy them and then they sell out. These are all because of me." (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm happy to have them. I'm glad I finally pulled the trigger. Uh, And I don't know why I was. It took me so long to do so, but. much deserved by RD and team, though. That That's just getting is, started, man. It's been slept on, and they add so much stuff over time to this project. They're working on the Unreal Engine. Like, it's it's going to be a big player in the space. Like, Roger has pull in the space. Everyone respects the hell out of the guy. And and the artists involved. I mean, we're talking 100 artists, and everyone they've dropped so far is just top tier. You yeah. Know? So, shout out RD and team over there at Artifacts. You're killing it. Yep. Let's see. What else? Can you explain the on one, the whole thing? That is happened? that how you say it? I, I've been calling it that. Like fuck it, I'm on one. I don't well, know. if you go and look for it, I was typing O N one for the longest time, and it's actually zero N one. So oh, I've literally been calling it on one. So <laughs> exactly O N one. O N one. O N one. I own one. <laughs> Seriously, though, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> I've just been saying Owen one. So, when Oni. You... I've been saying Oni, Oni. <laughs> in my head. Who, who, uh, like, what did you see that made you hop into that? And, like, are you happy you did? Or, like, what's Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, I can't get out of my brain, like, a true, like, flipper mentality for some reason. So, I bought one. I was looking... It was a Saturday night, and they were still under one eighth. I was like, all right, let me buy one. My transaction failed, and I fell asleep. I woke up the next morning, and the floor was almost at 2, so I scooped the floor at point one, at 1.95. I'm like, okay. 24, 36 hours later, the floor is at 7. I was close to selling, but I am sitting in a seat where I had sold my ape way too low. <laughs> straight up. Like, made a, made a good chunk of change with my ape, but straight up sold it too low. So I was seeing trends that you know, made me think of... It's a little retraction and then went. explode. Exactly. Yeah. So they're retracting now, and I can't say that I don't regret not selling it to take the profit at the time because who doesn't like fucking uh, you know, 10 grand in 24 hours? But um, I see that as a project where it has the, the communities deep-rooted right away, and it just... I can't explain it with a lot of things here, but it just feels right. The art is like, actually good. It feels. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what what they have planned. But it feels like something that when they make their next move, it's going to be very 
calculated and it's going to be something that carries over wave after wave, like what apes are doing with mutants right now. What apes are doing with these auction houses. The apes are fucking bananas. No pun intended, <laughs> fuck. They are insane where they're at right now. And I can't, it's taking me so much to not just be like, I'm going to buy back in. No, no, not with AIDS, because I cannot afford to buy back in. But with, with Oni, On One, whatever you want to call them, I am holding that as firm as I can at this point. And, and I just got to see where that goes. That one, that's when I got to ride. I just got to, I got a feeling. I think we've learned over time, it's best to just hold on, see what happens. And that's what, I mean, this is hopefully money that you can afford to lose that people are putting into this so larry's not gonna get kicked out on the street if his on one doesn't get sold in like a no months. yeah thanks to super rare yeah <laughs> thanks to super rare like for fucking give me a small base salary well i would be remiss not to mention that kid eight has the g-vol series coming out eight thousand eight hundred and eighty eight of those little evols on i think is wednesday. that really what's going on that's coming out on wednesday so what, what do they come out as like what's point that? one and it's just a Mad Dash. Mad Dash. There are whitelisting for um, anyone who owns an Evol, like a one of one. Okay. You get priority, just like fuck crystals, and you can buy twenty five, up to twenty five. Shut the fuck up. Which isn't crazy because I think there's only there's less than one hundred and fifty Evols. Yeah, that and not sense. everyone's gonna like twenty five. Three phases of fifty apiece. Right. So there might be a couple extra laying out there or something, and I think you can turn a floater into like a white lit like there's a ways to get early access by owning stuff from him but so I, I think fucking sold out i'm guessing yeah fucking sell out i think uh about half of them are gonna be open to the public at least and i'm gonna try to get like four or five we gotta it's, try it's literally the day after i get paid so i'm gonna be <laughs> dumping bags into that because i just believe in the project i think that that ip will become something like something in the aku realm of like this will be like something that people know about you know? Yeah. I do know. You you, you know about and now you do know. Yeah, now I do like I'm looking the other way. <laughs> yeah. So I I think that was key in like separating the projects. Being like this was a uh, generative project versus like uh, his one of ones that he creates. So. Yeah. What's the floor on those right now? Oh my God. Like people 25? Are, yeah. People are like turning away five, ten ETH offers. Like they're like hit me with like I'll trade you an eight. Unless you're fucking Dunzul and you want to fucking just... He needed the money. Denzel needed need it. Cash. Crack and we've gushers. Come, we've come so, so far, and by so far, I mean like a month from when I remember watching him make the decision of buying the creation of Evol. That's right. <laughs> he bought it back from Denzel. <laughs> no, I remember when Denzel bought it and like, should I spend the Tez on this? Oh, right. <laughs> no, he's fucking selling out. You know, 20K. That's all it takes for Denzel. You have anything on your list? I think that's about all I had. Um... No, I wanted it on apes and then punks. I mean, punk, punks are just insane. Hundred E floor soon. It's insane. I mean, it's it's pretty much here right now. That's the premiere. Like I'm Visa bought a bought a punk. Like, like I think that's a big Ooh. marker for where we are. Is like Visa buying a punk means we're seeing large financial institutions understand or at least making moves in the space that makes sense long term. It's like. It looks good for the future, mm -hmm. for sure. There was um, Seth Curry bought an ape. That was the other one. No way. Yeah. Wow. Oh, ledgers. Ledgers are coming in. Yep. 
I got the I got the Ledger Nano X. I went one step up, and I don't know why. I didn't even look at the features. I just listened. No, to I asked Mike. I asked Mike. He said, "Which one?" I go, "Which one should I get?" He goes, "Just get the bigger one." I okay. Go, right, yeah, sure. I did the same. Yeah. We are gonna have to have an episode on getting that set up because I want to put my ETH shit on there. I want to put my Tezo stuff on there. But the problem is, a lot of the Nifty Gateway stuff, like they require the piece, you know. So like, I need to find out how hard it is to move shit from my ledger back to Nifty Gateway, and like figuring out addresses and like all that shit. Like, I don't want to. Ha- I already have like five addresses I have to keep up with. Yeah, yeah. I trust me. Like, I was. <laughs> I wish I was ledger going you- through. So this is what I had to do with Rare because I had to figure out how to get Rare pull the rare because I just didn't want it sitting in my super because technically it was in a Fortmatic wallet and I have no idea how I had set up the Fortmatic wallet. Because that was back before we knew about MetaMask because we were on Super Rare before we made like MetaMask. Yeah, that's true. Okay, thanks for actually figuring that out for yeah. me. No idea what the seed phrase is. No idea where that wallet address is. Mike was like, oh yeah, I found it. I'm like, oh, well, I have no idea. I uh, just type in my Thank phone God, number and could... they send me a exactly. code. Exactly, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And that, I was like, that's secure. But... Um, <laughs> Figured out how to pull my rare from there. It was like, all right, well, now I need to make another super rare account so that I can just link my wallet, my, my actual meta to it. So T-Noble T- 2 is out there. But I thought there could have been an easier way if I could just connect a new wallet to it, but I couldn't figure that out. So I'm like, here's my one account. I made it all my moves in, and now I have to securely move this stuff around. And it's scary. When, when, when you're, you're pushing buttons, yeah. I, when you're when you're waiting, you're like, do you, like I just want to see view on Etherscan. Just, right. Just please please God, let this transaction <laughs> go through and like not lose this fucking too much lag one of one in the Ether. You ever you ever <laughs> you ever just like find, like send to the wallet and you're like, oh my God, what did I just send was to that the, the right dude? I'm like, every time I like even sign something in OpenSea, I'm like, okay, am I in the right account? Because my MetaMask has like three accounts in it. So yeah. I have to like make sure I'm on the right account. It's scary, dude. I just wish I had more confidence in the crypto space and I like need a, I need like a book to read. <laughs> like an audio book. Yeah, we can do that. Maybe we should start reading more. But yeah, we'll have to have an episode where we set up our ledgers. Maybe we can get somebody to help us out live and it's going to be tough. Yeah. Because we need, we need to create a vault and put all our shit in the vault. Yeah, someday we will. Yeah. We always say that. We do. Someday we'll, we'll get out of the basement too, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, we'll turn that rare into a studio. It's nice down here. So just to circle back to Dave, yep. the conversation that we had that you guys are about to hear was something that could have kept going. Uh, oh, like, I loved it. Like We could have talked to Dave for hours. We went into like science and psychology, yeah. like how this shit works. He's a super smart guy. Shout out Needham. Shout, shout out Needham, yep. Same hood-ish. But... Um, just diving into the photog space too and, and, and getting from you know we were able to talk to jm but i think this was one of the other true photog native dudes that calculated his way through the nft space at you know as soon as the gates open he wasn't rushing through no he, he was, was learning there. educating he, himself and picking his spots very observant and i guess you get that out of a photographer right um, makes sense yeah but no this conversation was awesome dave's the fucking man and uh, we'll probably pick this up at another point and continue this conversation. But um, Yep, here's Dave. Hey, guys. Sorry. <laughs> no worries, man. man that might be the, to, I was just going to say, that AirPods. might be the most dramatic entrance we've had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, AirPods are fine. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure the audio is best for you guys. I mean, dude, we're working on $3 mics in a basement, so I'm sure it's <laughs> <fine> for us. <laughs> oh, man, it's funny to see the background. It's like I, I was watching the RD interview and i'm like oh my god part two 
Yeah, it's hilarious. Same my my uh, light-filled loft here in Bushwick, beautiful Bushwick. And the weather is great on the East Coast right now, huh, compared to yesterday? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, yesterday was really, really hot, but uh, not so bad today. Where are you guys uh, coming from? We're actually just north of Boston, so. Oh, really? Here. I'm from Needham. No kidding. Oh, shit. We're in Danvers. Oh, Danvers. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I was um, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So uh, did you grow up in Needham? Or like I did, yeah. I grew up in Needham. I did one year of private school uh up in Andover. And then I went back to Needham High and then I went to Boston University. So like my whole educational uh history is is Boston adjacent. Yeah. Uh, so if you couldn't tell, Tyler's uh got some oh, Clemson yeah. roots, but I, I grew up here. So we've we've been moseying around the uh same area codes for a little bit. Uh, oh, amazing. Growing <laughs> up. But um, no, that's cool to hear. I was going to ask about, obviously, your uh, uh, BU connection to us. Um, but I guess just to dive into it, like, um, how is that process just in terms of, like, uh, settling on BU and kind of being from the area and, and diving in there? Um, it's actually interesting because my father is, um, he was kind of running information technology at Boston University. It's so like network systems. And um, he actually went to BU and went to grad school there as well. So that was kind of the choice for me. It was like, a you know, kind of going on that a similar path as he did. Uh, but it's cool because he, his graduate thesis was like on punch cards and the computer was like the size of a building, <laughs> you know, and now, and now he has like an Apple watch and he's more technologically savvy than I am. So it's like for him to, to, you know, be working at that high level throughout that particular arc of technology was like a fascinating thing for him. And also for me as his son to kind of watch and be exposed to, because we always had like, you know, the first Mac, then like I had the first Mac laptop, which is this black and white, I think it was called a power book <laughs> or something. And then, you know, even the the early iterations of like, there was a thing called like the Apple Newton. And it was like a little touchscreen kind of, you know, uh, almost primitive it's like palm pilot thing yeah <laughs> yeah and uh yeah exactly like a palm pilot and so uh we just were always exposed to you know the first iterations of the internet and, and computing and stuff like that as kids and i think that has a lot to do with why i'm so interested in in uh, blockchain and, and other like you know bleeding edge technologies uh so yeah and then i at uh fbu i ended up studying psychology which uh, counterintuitively kind of helped me in my photography career because right when I graduated around like 2011, it's kind of when Instagram started to erupt into relevance. And I immediately recognized it as like a, a, like a psychology tool because it, it is, right. it's all like Pavlonian conditioning and like, you know, um, it, it hijacks our dopamine reward systems. And I was like, oh, I know how this works. Like, yeah, we can work <laughs> with this. So that actually it allowed me to kind of dive into my craft as a photographer and, and become like, you know, a more uh, uh, self-sufficient individual when it comes to my art. So that was, that was interesting too. So is photography just a, like a hobby for you growing up or like through college or like? What, uh, what yeah, but of? it was always like, like I always knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make art and I could, I wasn't much of like, I wasn't much of a drawer or musician or like, I just couldn't really like pull things from the ether and put them on paper, but I could look at the world. I thought I had a, a good kind of fun and uh, curious way of like looking at the world and fitting things together in a way that kind of, that's to me what photography is. It's like, what, what can you do with the variables in front of you 
and in in a moment like freeze an instant of time in a way that has some like symbolism or significance yeah i heard heard you talking about that with rd like actually taking like the stream of time and getting a snapshot out of that Mm -hmm. like having that forever and it's like we're living in an age now where that's possible and it Right. It wasn't that that long ago. You could not do that. Now everyone's got eight cameras in their pocket. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. And it, it, I think we take it for granted almost like it's like before mirrors were invented, you know, people never really saw the reflection. And now we just like mirrors are ubiquitous, but mirrors are actually a technology. Um, you'd have to go to like a really still pond or something before right. mirrors were invented. <laughs> and just like that, like we take photography for granted because it surrounds us and we all have, you know, cameras on us at all times. But even the ability to, to hold a moment kind of like in stasis and, and look at it with infinite detail, like you just couldn't do that until, you know, 100 years ago. So it's pretty crazy to think about. But and also just how that changes human behavior and human relationships. And even, you know, those technologies extend into video technologies like this, like we get to communicate face to face on a Sunday morning, like across many, many miles. It's yeah. pretty fascinating. So how do you think that that shapes art now that everyone has a phone in their pocket and the ability to think that they have the eye for photography? You know, does that like send art in a certain direction? Yeah, I think that when you allow people to participate in something and you enable them to to participate in the activity, um, it's always a win. Uh, Because what you're doing is like, you're allowing them to experience, even if they're just doing it casually and they don't, they have no intentions to become like, a, you know, artist or whatever you want to call it. Um, just the act of, of creating something like that allows them to understand a little more of, of, you know, the feeling I get from photography. And the more photographers there are, the more of a base I have as a creative that, you know, supports me. And, and Instagram was the best thing to ever happen to me as a photographer because not only could I have like a basically like, you know, daily drop into people's feeds and, and lives that they became like used to in the sense that like I was like running my own little magazine, essentially. They also got to like see what I was doing, incorporated into what they're doing. And then like, you know, this incredibly efficient feedback loop that is created by these systems. And so, you know, at the end of the day, when I first started photography, nobody really cared about my photography and they'd look at my pictures and be like, Oh, that's what Dave does. You know, (laughs) photo nerd. And, uh, you know, 10 years later, they're like, everyone's like, Oh, like, you know, how do I get that effect where like the car is moving or the car is not moving, but the whole background is I'm like, Oh, that's panning. You know? So like the, the conversations I'm having around photography now are are much more commonplace. and, And even the people that are just casual, casually into it, um, are learning and it's becoming democ- like visual literacy is becoming democratized as I, as I said in, in RD's piece as well it's beautiful like I, I hate the idea that I need to be protective or like if everyone's a photographer no one's a photographer I'm like no it's like there's so many things um, everything in life it's better when more people participate you know if more people are cooking it's better because like the food like the level of food that we can eat and like experience and and the limits get pushed and pushed and pushed until we have these incredible experiences and it's no different with photography or art or painting or anything um more the merrier yeah yeah welcome yeah i wanted to go back to the instagram you're actually um our second shorty award winner on the podcast we had oh Boy yeah Elon musk <laughs> with the best parody account and i believe you had the best instagram account of what year was that uh i think it was 2017 yeah so why do you I think try- nfts like embrace twitter so much over the more visual aspect of instagram 
That's a great question. And I think it has everything to do with uh, crypto Twitter and like the fact that there was already this incredibly um, dense and uh, interconnected community around cryptocurrencies and memes and, and um, uh, just the culture of crypto a little bit. Yeah. That was already there. Like it was a super established web. That's where all like the, you know, uh, socialization around the blockchain was already happening. Um, and I think what happened was artists came in and kind of added this um, visual layer, like this super creative, like we brought our sense of aesthetics and um, our own communities kind of dovetailed together in a way that was just like very, very powerful. And that also has a lot to do with the fact that Twitter is a, a, just a superior platform for communication. Instagram, yeah, it's a great app to post video and, and uh, photo content, but it's a terrible place to, to try to have a conversation, uh, especially a public facing conversation. And uh, also the, the feature of a retweet is extremely powerful. It's, um, it's a way for other people's voices to get uh, amplified and kind of peaks above the fog or the noise or whatever you want to call it in a way that Instagram just does not facilitate. Instagram silos people into this one post. I mean, when was the last time you had a back and forth in Instagram comments? That right. you know? Never. And then when was the last time you read someone's exchange in Instagram comments? No, Never. they collapse it, they hide it. It's um, not encouraged by the, by the technology. So the combination of the communications technology of mixing text, audio, now with spaces and visual in like this kind of perfect, uh, perfect blend on Twitter, plus the fact that that's where the blockchain community already already was like building their culture. Uh, then you add the visual artists who bring this like even deeper culture and, and kind of made it beautiful, like made this like area, area of code and tokens like very beautiful. Uh, it's just the perfect storm. And it's been such a fun year. It's like, I've never had so much fun on the internet, to be honest. I never used on, like, Twitter. NFT Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Until now. And like, and I yeah. love it. It's so good. And it hasn't been the toxic, like, grossness you hear about, like, oh, Twitter's just like a cesspool. Like, that bleeds over every now and again, but it's definitely not as bad as I thought it would be. Especially in NFT Twitter. Yeah. Um, it's it's like a, I don't want to say it's like, at times, even too positive. Uh, <laughs> it can be. Of, no, it definitely yeah. can be. <laughs> there is such a thing as toxic positivity. And, like, I just, I hate when you can, like, online relationships become transactional. Where it's like, oh, like I said, I love your work. So now like you say you love mine and like nothing bothers <laughs> me more than like, I, I've been getting a lot of DMs from people that are like, like, I love your work so much. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And they're like, yeah, like follow for follow. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you love my work. Like, yeah, you no, retweet like, my pen tweet. Yeah. But it's like, I'm just like, look, if you really love my work, like, and you want to tell me that's great. But if you're just kind of like sliding in my DM to like, make this transactional, like, I'll follow you if you follow me. I'm like, that's not how I use social media. I like to discuss, like, I follow the things that I want to consume. I'm not going to be like, like little DM handshake. We're going to, we're going to do this thing. Um, I want to keep my feed full of people that inspire me and like are, are sharing other people's work and are like, up, you know, uplifting members of the community. And, and uh, yeah, cause we're all, we're all stronger together. And it's just like, I like to surround myself with people who play many some games and not, you know, uh, competing and, and like tearing each other down and thinking that there's not room for everybody. Cause right now there is, it's great. Do you think that's a fallacy of like the shill tweet where it's like, 
as a collector, you kind of want to discover things on your own. And you feel like when people are like giving it to you, it's like, it doesn't um, feel like you discovered it. Yeah. So I think that any way you can encounter art is great. And I found great art in those threads and been like, oh my God, like, look at this person. Same. Um, but people mostly do it for engagement, like just to be cynical. Like uh, it's a great way to, you know, every time you tag every time somebody tags another artist or like, you know, shares their work, it, you, you bubble up in the algorithm. So it's clever um, and it can help people. But at a certain point, like, I think there was a time over, you know, a few months ago where like every single tweet was like, show me your latest work. And then it's just like these long threads that nobody's even looking at kind of just like farming engagement. But once in a while, I think it's a great way to just kind of like stir up the pot and to give, uh, especially like, you know, think about how many artists are entering the space every single day. Yeah. So to give them an opportunity to at least get like a little shine, I think it, it, I think is great. And um, that's part of my like ethos online is I only want a platform if I can point it at other people. I'm really not interested in, in like being a lone wolf, like a lone wolf and just like accumulating attention and, and then, <laughs> you know, keeping it for myself. Like the only reason I even try to accumulate attention and I've found ways to do it and, and you know, built up pretty significant followings. I only do that so that I can turn around and be like, now check out this artist who has like 50 followers and is bet way better than me, you know? Uh, I, I love that. And like that to me is what is the best use of the tool of social media. And that's one of the tenets of all ships, right? Yeah, exactly. So I started all ships. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I started all ships as like, a, you know, all ships rise with the tide is what it comes from. And uh, I started it because it, it's a response to the way I felt making my living on Instagram as like an Instagram influencer, which is something I would never call myself, but it's what, you know, society settled on as, as a word to describe people that have, uh, you know, large subscription bases on online platforms. I don't think it means, I don't think the word influencer means anything, but there's kind of this like me, 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 like, you know, you're competing for people's attention attitude. And after years of that, and just, you know, look, you're playing these games with the algorithm and like, you're letting the algorithm hijack your cre creative voice. Cause you keep just nudging yourself a little more towards what gets more attention. And I've seen it just like, I've seen almost every single creator I know burn out and just spin out like, oh, I'm taking a break, you know, because it's super taxing on your mental health to kind of keep up with these bots and, and uh, people that game the algorithm. And so I started All Ships as like an oasis, like to be like, look, we can slow down. We can tell longer stories. Like the articles on All Ships are like, you know, this long, like we really slow down. We have a kind of like intimate conversation around their art their philosophy, the technology, like what's happening in the space. Um, and in a way that's not just like, you know, you put up a post, you get attention for 24 hours and nobody ever looks at it again, which is what Instagram is. It's crazy. Like if uh, even on my, I was like looking through my feed a little the other day, like kind of just like to see the arc of my evolution of my work. And I was like, I was like, damn, I posted like 3,200 times on Instagram. Wow. And if, if you go back, it's just like, there's so many pictures in there that I love that just like, it's, it's almost like you'd have to do like digital archeology span to get to like, see some of the work I made three years ago. Cause it's so much about what happened in the past 24 hours. And, and I, I really, I really like to like spread out and, and slow down and be like, we can tell stories that can stand the test of time. We don't, you know, I don't want these things to just be buried in the feed. When we were talking to JN Silva, he was saying that he has like, hundreds of thousands of photos like they don't all make it out there like there's mm -mm. lots on your hard drive that just hang out never to be seen 
Yeah, I mean, some of my best work is is most people haven't seen it. It's stuff I'm saving for my super rare page. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, and, and um, I'm glad you brought up JN because JN is, so him and I came up on Instagram together and we, we kind of like, we're very aligned from day one philosophically and artistically. And we started hosting Instagram meetups in New York City and like these things just started to balloon. And like, I think at our biggest one, we had like 400 people there. Like, we have a picture and we like a group photo and there's 400 people just like with cameras. It's a sunset, um, right? Uh, yeah, we did a ton of them, but there's yeah. one in particular I'm thinking of. I could send you the photo and you'll see. It's it's actually really funny to look at because it's like, what, what were you doing? But um, he was the one who ended up, uh, you know, we had this long creative journey together and we've helped each other throughout the years in many, many ways. And he was the one who like really made NFTs click for me. He like sat me down and was like, here's what's happening. It's it's very important. This is uh, last summer too. So it's like early. He was early. He was super early. And he was the one who got me on. And I in turn have onboarded, you know, tons and tons of artists. Um, and as is he, uh, and through his, uh, efforts with Phil and, and made my animus, like they're just they're. I owe my, any position I have in the space, I owe to them being so like, again, being like, we can all win. Let's all go together. Let's, let's work together. That attitude is like really the only path to success, especially in, in web three, I think, because it's just, there's something about this technology that is very, um, I want to say like prone to like symbiosis. Like it's like, if the system can feed itself, like that's how we're all going to, all going to make it. Yeah. Continue to grow too. It's like, um, in going back and looking, even like, did you start all ships last like a year and a half ago? Like, yeah. Ba- uh, I started back in last March. Yeah. So about a year and a half ago. So if, um, if you, if you mark time from like there through now where you're at, I, I think people would consider your like step into NFT NFT space like pretty graceful and then like attentive and patient. And um, especially with like the frenzy earlier in the year, right? And, and kind of yeah, walking through and and kind of seeing, you know, some up and downs, you can tell that your 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 steps have been very tactic. And I guess it, what was your thought process, I guess, once it finally clicked and did you have like this plan in place or is it more so kind of? Yeah. So it's like, I started all ships as a response to web two and I didn't know anything about web three. I didn't mm-hmm. even know what an NFT was, but when I found out about and when Silva, Silva kind of explained to me what was happening with NFTs, I was like, wait, this is like, this is what the weapon by which we can attack yeah. web two. Right. Yeah. Um, I said this last night, I was with uh, uh, an event that I was at an event that Axie King put together and met a bunch of other blockchain people. And we were all talking. And I was like, when I, when NFTs clicked for me, it was like, I found the plans to the death star. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I was like, yes, like, here's the hole. Like, let's, you know, shoot the missile. Um, it really felt like that. I was like, oh my God, like, this is, this is the, the tool for like the manifesto that I put out, which is still on the, on all ships. If you click menu in the top, right. Like I wrote this piece even before NFTs and it reads like this kind of like, it reads like like what NFTs are. I was like, we need a way to like renegotiate our relationship with the internet, blah, blah, blah. So um, in terms of uh, my own journey in the space, I had already been thinking about this stuff for so long that, that when I saw what was happening, I was like extremely ready. Like I was like primed and I was like, okay, this isn't, a passing fad like this is a new technology stack and layer that will forever change the way that creative work gets valued on the internet and once i realized like the gravity of that i was like well 
my legacy in the space matters. Like that, like not, not like it matters in the grand scheme of things, but like to me, like what I do, what I put out there and how I do it is going to be, you know, the foundation for what I hope to be a long career as a crypto artist, you know, in December, uh, January, February, I was just kind of like willing to take a step back. And, you know, there was really not much was happening with photography. I think the only couple projects out were JN stuff, um, Justin, Justin stuff. Um, but there wasn't really a collector base for photography like we see today. I mean, now, right now, like as we're speaking, there's a, there's been an incredible explosion with these like open sea collections and, and, you know, a bunch of photographers like myself getting onboarded to super rare. So I just didn't feel like the moment was right for me to, to like, again, I'm saving like the best of the best work I've made in the past 15 years of me shooting to, to like be my one of one NFT collection that I put out. So it felt like I would, I would have dropped that into more of like a void, like a quiet scenario. And it might not have been as well received as the stuff I'm doing more lately, which, you know, there's kind of this new hunger for photography and um, I just wanted to wait. And so what I did was I focused on other people. I focused on all shifts. And what I did was like every day I DM an artist I love. I'd be like, hey, like, I love your work. Um, I would, you know, be honored if I could write an article about you. And we just talk in the DMs. And then from the DMs, I just, you know, I copy paste the responses into my back end for all shifts. And then they send me, I'm like, can I get a Dropbox folder for some of your work? And then I make the layouts and all that stuff. And so like every day I had a new friend, <laughs> a new uh, artist to admire. And then anytime somebody asks, like all this happens all the time. Like the other day, fuck render was like, uh, he put out a tweet that was like, you know, I'm looking for a pixel artist. And I'm like, oh, well, here's a roundup of 24 pixel artists on allships.co, <laughs> like, boom. And then that way I, I have a way to like, and like, you know, they're telling about their art and, and, like, and how they, you know, their whole philosophy around blockchain and everything. So I have a very quick way to just drop a link and immediately promote like 24 of the best pixel artists in the world. And then, so to focus on that before my own drops and, and content and, and my approach to the space, I'm... The, it like primes the community in a way that when I do, you know, when I do put out my work, I have an, I don't have to ask for the retweets. I don't have to ask for any of that. Like I just have people that are like, oh, I remember Dave was helping my friend and I will help Dave. You know, it's like, like back right. to this idea of symbiosis. So I was able to kind of create an environment of support by setting an example. And then I, without even kind of doing anything extra that support like flows back to me in this really beautiful kind of way that I think blockchain facilitates. Um, so yeah, a very long winded answer to, to why I took my time and I'm still taking my time. Um, but I just, I guess the, the shorter version of that is like, I just want to get it right. This is really important to me. And I think that this is the future, um, future for artists and, and I'm not taking it lightly. So. Yeah. The long-term view is something that's, overlooked sometimes in the space where like this is going to be going on for a long time you don't have to drop all your work right now in this one year like <laughs> spread yeah. it out a little i like the idea so you're doing just straight one of ones right not like that that'll be all your work will be on super rare yes well I'll, i'm like you know i'm on eight uh i got accepted to async art i have some ideas for that i have some like yeah. really cool like layering oh, good i want to i want to jump into that in a minute i have some ideas as well yeah um <laughs> I don't want to like give away too much because I haven't even talked about it, but I'll, I will definitely get into that. The other thing I'm doing is I've had a photography alter ego for like 10 years. 
and not, not many people know about it. Like if you're clever and, um, you know, click a bunch of links online, oh, you yeah. can find it, but that's going to turn into a pretty cool, uh, collectibles project that I'm working on that's right cool. now. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I've been watching what's happening with all these open sea drops and I'm, I'm so happy for photographers. Um, I think the, the people that are staying like very thematic are going to have collections that are extremely highly valued. I think um, a good example of this is um, Moneris. I don't know if you guys know her, uh, Paula, Paula Franqui. No. She did a, a project called Hands. So oh, yeah. years. So we know of Hands, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, she's a very close friend of mine. We're, we're super tight and I love her style. She's one of my favorite, favorite photographers. I actually just wrote the intro to her book that came out. Um, and so, yeah, very, very, uh, honored to have done that, but she has this project where she, you know, it's all like pictures of people's hands folded behind their back and each one, like they're almost all the same, but they're slightly different. And that allows kind of the human imagination to build upon that scaffolding and be like, what's the story here, but they all match enough so that there's like this interchangeable collection going on. And I think that just advice to photographers is like, look for those thematics, you know, look like the, that project carpoolers is another great example. Like they're all like truck beds with people in them. So there's like this, this cohesive cohesion to the project, but there's variety in a way. Uh, another one is row, uh, the project row houses, which I bought one of. Um, so advice to photographers is like, yeah, don't just like be like <sighs> the street photography collection and then drop like your, your 50 best street photos for like 0.1 E. Like, I don't think you should do that. I think you should be like, what is the thing that unites like visually, like a visual motif or meme that it like is re repeated enough, but varied enough that it creates this dynamic collection where people want to like complete sets and like do all this fun, like gamification. So when you see my drop for my uh, project Secret Street, which is like kind of my, my, my photo alter ego, it's going to be very thematic and like gamified and like fun. So I'm excited to reveal more about that. Uh, that sounds awesome. Passes. Yeah, I'm excited. So do you go out like with these ideas in mind or like does a project kind of like naturally come together or like a series naturally come together for, for most of these people? Like Hans is a good example or, you know, obviously Twin Flames uh, with mm -hmm. Justin. Like, are you seeking those types of series or is it more of kind of like a natural progression you just out seeking and then you find things that would fit to the thematics that you're kind of working off of? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I'd say first about Justin's uh, Twin Flames project. That's like a very, very intentional project. Yep. He's like, I, you know, it, it, the story behind it is is incredible and deep and moving. Um, and then the effort that he put in to go, you know, that's a hundred different shoots, you know, the dynamics, people. And, and it's, so I'd almost separate that from something that I'm doing, which is more like I saw patterns and and just like compulsively collected patterns right yeah and same with paola like she's whatever she like encounters these patterns as she walks through the city and she just like oh like that's our instinct as photographers is to collect patterns in a way right um and it's really interesting and i'm gonna get like a little a little heady with this one so like i think blockchain i think photography on blockchain is such a good fit and like so compelling because I think they both tap into our instinct of, of hunter gathering. So our like, and this goes back to my psychology training, but like everything we do, like who we are um, is a product of our environment 
of evolution, the environment we evolved in. We, are, we live in an environment that we did not evolve for because of technology. Technology happens at like this exponential scale and evolution happens over millions and millions of years. So most of our biology and our instincts and our like reward, dopamine reward systems are still in this like tribal, you know, surviving uh, as nomadic tribes, like wandering through the savanna, right? So even the, like, I'm gonna say this two ways. One is collecting NFTs. So collecting NFTs is an abstraction of collecting resources. We just don't, we can go to the grocery store now. So, but that behavior of accumulating resources and symbols of resources is still like, we still have that behavior. And the way that it expresses itself is now on this abstracted layer online. We're like, you know, instead of going out and hunting a, a penguin or something, you buy a pudgy penguin, right? <laughs> to use a ridiculous example. And, and again, like, you know, uh, owning a, a punk or, or a bored ape is you have a banner, you know, it's a banner of your tribe. And, you know, we get, you see it online all the time, like apes together strong and like all this, it's like all tribal behavior. And we're all in those tribes, like gathering resources and like, you know, bringing things into the community in a way that sustains that community, just like back when we were evolving. Okay. Now to photography. Photography is operating on those same instincts as well. Like humans are trained to like wander through complex environments and pick out things and find patterns. And to be a photographer is to study your own tendencies to collect. And so, I, you know, I didn't collect the series I'm going to drop, you know, which like I have hundreds and hundreds of different versions of this pattern I've found, but I didn't do that with the intention of like, I'm going to sell this as a collection. It was more just like, oh, this fits the thing. This fits the thing. This fits the thing. And after 10 years, you have this incredible body of work. Uh, and then, you, you know, you could say like the bottom 90% of those shots you like throw away and the, but the top 10, because you did it so many times, like it's beautiful collection. So I just love to make the comparison between the behaviors that lead to um, collecting, like, like collecting NFTs and, and collecting art and collecting shoes and, and Pokemon cards and all that stuff that we've been collecting for years. I love to make the comparison between that and the um, instinct I feel when I'm going out with my camera, collecting moments, collecting light, collecting those slices of time we referenced earlier. And so I think that like photography and uh, NFTs are like the perfect marriage of, the, of those, you know, that overlap of that Venn diagram. I love that you explain it that way. Cause I'm, I'm like hyper aware that we're just like animals living yeah, in exactly. this world. That's way further advanced than we are. Yeah. So it was cool to hear you mention that because I talk to my wife about it all the time. Like there were real problems we had, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, like surviving and worrying about like lions and shit eating. Yeah. And now like our problems aren't that bad, but we still have them at that level of like, oh my God, a lion's coming to eat us, you know? And it's like trying to tamper like our survival instincts in a way to to be more mellow because it's really not life or death with a lot of these situations you know right and like look at anxiety and like all these things are rooted in our kind of primal fear of the unknown and like that's why you know people you know are racist and and also in like you know there's there's us and them mentality because we we evolved in these tribal cultures where like that was necessary for our survival you couldn't necessarily trust somebody from an outside group um and we, we, it's like the work we need to do now is like shake those instincts. And again, like uh, not have those visceral reactions to things that aren't actually a threat. 
it's interesting. I was reading um, a lot of books about this. And one of the examples, two of the examples they use, one is that kids, like, what are kids afraid of? Like a, a young child that is just like going off pure instinct. They're afraid of monsters, like right. monsters under the bed, monsters in the closet. That's from our fear of big cats when we were like literally in jungles and, and savannah environments where we had predation. Like people were, not people, cats were like, you know, we were prey to them. Um, the other thing is that when, when a shadow passes over you, you have this kind of like fear. Like there's like this little like- yeah. Yeah, there's this this tension and anxiety, and it's really subtle. But notice it, like when when a cloud goes over the sun, you're like, and that's because there used to be huge birds, and they found these like hominid skulls in Africa, fossils, and like there's, um, you know, beak beak marks in the back of the eye sockets because people were like the prey of these giant birds. And so like we still have this like instinctual fear of like like just like a small <laughs> monkey would have when a hawk or an eagle flies over them because that's like a sign of a danger that was like that tens of thousands of years of us avoiding that kind of danger. So yeah, it's an interesting topic. And I love to see how those behaviors kind of make their way into our technologies. And I've never seen it so clearly as I do with NFTs because of tribalism and like uh, the kind of like abstraction of, of tokens of value, like literally crystals and, you know, <laughs> like, it's all we're we're I was trying to I was in a podcast, my own podcast talking about this with um, Nathan Beer, uh, the head of content at Super Rare. And we were just making all of those same comparisons where it's like, wow, like we're not regressing to our evolutionary roots, but we're like progressing into like the digital savanna where like we right. have to like, re, you know, it's like it's just so interesting to me. It's really fascinating. Yeah. And you got like, a, at least by acknowledging it, you got like a heightened sense of um, kind of why you might be ready to react to something. Yeah. Um, and then also just not to interrupt, I'm sorry, but uh, you also, if you can understand where, where these behaviors are rooted and, and why this is happening, then you can, again, move with more intention and tap into those tendencies in a way that can make, you know, elevate you above a crowd where there's everybody, you know, everybody's flooding in. And if you really want to do something unique and distinct, think about if you can understand a bit about why, then you can understand a lot about how, you know, how to do it better, how to, how to help your community more, how to build, you know, build up these um, symbiotic, symbiotic relationships within your communities and uh, th just thrive and all rise together, literally. Like that's how it feels, so. Yeah, and I was just going to say that it feels like that, it, like those philosophies and, and kind of where where you stand with your principles align with super rare, um, just from like a, a, you know, a platform perspective, a, a foresight perspective, a curation perspective. So I was going to ask about, because uh, we got a chance to talk to Nick at one time, Exulo, and I was going to ask oh, where yeah. that collab kind of kicked off, that relationship mm. and, and, and a little bit about kind of how that came first of all yeah i love nick um genuinely one of the best people i've met <laughs> in the space yeah. and as an artist and just like such a such a talented um kind person um and i'm grateful to nfts for allowing us to get closer um but i've been following him on instagram for like six years i don't know just i always loved his work i was like god this is so beautiful so distinct He's one of those people, like, I think the goal of every artist is like, you want somebody to see your work and be like, that's an ex-Sulo. 
Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. You know, and you can definitely like, I want do that. somebody to see my photos and be like, oh, that's a Dave shot, you know? Yeah. And when somebody tells me that, if people tell me that sometimes like, oh, I knew this was, I knew this was your shot before I even saw your name. And I'm like, yes. So that, <laughs> I think that he's like a great example of like, just an inimitable style. Like nobody yeah. can do it like Sulu can. So I was following him and, and uh, I always have been collaborating with artists like for fun, you know, we're just like, oh my God, oh, can I send you some photos? Like we draw it or like draw, like draw over this and just like mixing things together and working with musicians and, and I just love it. And so back like way before NFTs, him and I started doing just collaborations for fun. Like I sent him a picture from Tokyo. Uh-huh. He put a bike over it. It's still on my Instagram somewhere down there. And uh, so he put this like cyberpunk biker in my shot of Tokyo and it just, it did really well on Instagram, you know, we got tons of attention for it. And then like, you know, fast forward NFTs hit, I see that he's in it and he's killing it and he's on super rare. And I was, we had been talking about doing another collaboration just for social media. And he's like, he's like, actually like, should we drop an NFT? And I was like, this isn't like, I don't know, December of last year. Yeah. And I was like, dude, like, I'd be so honored to, cause you know, he was killing it. He's sold out on super rare. And like one of the, I think consider him one of the pioneers of the space. Yeah. So I was like, dude, if I could collab with you, I'd be so honored. And it would really help me like, you know, break into the space. Cause I had no uh, kind of community in the space yet. And so he really like took me along for the ride and, and exposed me to so much of this amazing community. Um, and we started kicking around ideas and, and, you know, I'm not going to, say some of the ideas because we're still still working on them but uh oh, nice. one idea that was like immediately we both were like oh wait this let's start with this was i do all these kind of like cyberpunk toned uh time lapses of new york city and and other cities that i've been to all over the world i'm more of a stills photographer so i don't really like share a lot of that stuff i kind of just like like doing it and playing around and experimenting but i was like oh my gosh i have this insane view of like the flat iron building uh i took this really long time lapse like and we just started kicking ideas back and forth and just and landed on this idea of building a futuristic city where it's my time-lapse photography mixed with his CGI world building. And like our uh, plan was like, all right, what worlds exist where our imaginations overlap? And we came up with Ecumenopolis um, sector one. And there's all, it's like, highly recommend looking at the piece. There's all these little references to what was happening at the time. Like it's like the Tesla logo blinking and like- so the Bitcoin. Like, yeah bitcoin and like ethereum's like spinning and the museum of crypto art is down in the corner and all ships um, represented yeah all ships is like all over like the branding like you know uh neon billboards and stuff like that and he put such a tremendous amount of detail into it and then we had my friend or my friend and an artist i manage uh ollie channon he wrote a custom score and so he built like the, he built like every sound of the city and if you really listen in with headphones like you can hear the detail he put into the audio um and then he wrote this beautiful music that went over it and it's just like just really ties the whole piece together and so the three of us you know we listed i wasn't on super at the time we listed it on exulo's account immediately started getting bids it went up to 20 20 ether and we were able to make that sale and like that that solidified me and like you know my understanding of of uh how powerful this technology is. And like, if you can come up with a really compelling, unique idea, there's collectors out there that are willing to kind of back you as an artist and be like, you know what? I see what you did here. I support it. I want to throw a little, throw a little weight behind what you guys are up to. And then we actually just sold our second uh, piece, Ecumenopolis Sector 2, which was in Venice, Italy, which is cool because like the water and the boats and everything like that. Again, Ollie did the music. Sulo did this incredible uh, science fiction 
far future cityscape. And that one went for like 17.6 ETH. And uh, I'm able to use those, those resources to further build out all ships to, you know, kind of compensate the time I put into, you know, every day interviewing artists and, and doing the podcast and running the discord. And um, it's really cool. I hope that, uh, I hope that this like run continues. Cause it's like, I feel like this is the biggest transfer of wealth into the hands of creative people that has ever happened maybe. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, I think that, that, that has the potential to change the world for the better because I find creative people to be empathetic um, deeply uh, to deeply care about the world and other people and, and to support each other. And I think that uh, it's a good thing. I think it could shape culture. I think it, it is. Yeah. You know? I think that we're just getting started with those collaborations with Nick. Like, do you send over your time-lapse videos and then he just goes to town or do you guys like talk about it? Like idea-wise? Oh, no, we talk all about it. Like, yeah. We, I, I did a bunch of research for, for them. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll target Venice for this because it's really interesting. So I Venice. I haven't even seen this yet. I saw oh, the yeah, first one. Yeah, out. I haven't seen Venice either. Oh, Venice is dope. Venice is dope. Um, but what's cool about Venice is... And it's, if you're, if you want to look it up, it's on, um, it's on Exulo's super rare page. Um, Venice was, Ven there's a lot of similarities I see between blockchain and Venice as well. So, oh, let's hear it. Venice, Italy was the center of global trade, like in the 1400s and, and kind of, you know, that era. Um, and one of the reasons, or if not the reason, um, one is that it was like a well-protected port in a lagoon, like, you know not big storm surges coming through and messing everything up, but it was, let's think about networks and the flow of goods and information, right? Just like blockchain, the, the, the fastest and most efficient systems win. Um, it's much faster in a shipping based economy to move goods through waterways and canals. So the fact that Venice was a water-based, you know, one of the only water-based kind of commerce centers in the world, allowed for, for it to rise and be like, you know, the absolute epicenter of global trade for hundreds of years. And if you go to Venice and you look at like the palaces and everything that came out of that era is like the concentration of wealth there was astounding. Um, and when there's a concentration of wealth like that, you also get like an art an kind of art market and artisan class. And for that in Venice, it was like glass blowing and, you know, there's a huge spice trade going on. And like, you know, goods like silk and, and everything like that coming through. But I think that it's kind of happening again right now where because of the success of cryptocurrencies, there's an insane concentration of wealth. And anytime there's that insane concentration of wealth, whether it's now or like the Medici's, there is a surplus of resources that allow artists to take things to extraordinary levels. And if you're collecting from uh, an artist like, Exulo or you know I could name a million others and and they're making more off of their art than they are off of compromises with corporations then you're you're actually freeing that artist to reach heights that they never could have reached otherwise because you're you're a patron of that artist in the same way that the renaissance was funded by patrons of that era so I think that it's a like when when people say oh we're this is a digital renaissance like we're not kidding like this is, this is a digital renaissance. And the reason we're all so passionate and excited is because like 
this doesn't happen often when, when these moments um, come among us. Like I'm trying to think of the last time this happened. It was probably like, you know, after like the Gilded Age and then into like modern art and cubism and stuff like that. Like there's this, it doesn't happen often and we're not going to like let it slip by. Uh, but I, I'm definitely compelled by, by those comparisons. You know, it's something when you, when, when you find yourself trying to explain it to someone that is trying to understand and you just can't explain the reasoning behind what's going on, but you know you need to be in it. But this goes back to just understanding context and, and the story behind this, because every t- anytime you can, you can take, you know, uh, take away the visual aspect and hear what the thought process and the basis and, and the collaboration was behind this stuff. Um, it's, it's so important to, to understand where in time you're kind of marking that and going forward, what, what pieces like this mean. So um, I love to hear this shit, man. I, I, like, like, yeah, this piece is so dope that in, in Zulo shit, like I what was it just like a 3d render of a house. Like that's a real house. bro. That's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not, that's not a render. Yeah, no, I, I, I just think it's so funny too. Like how I feel like you're probably in a spot where around every corner you're like, well, this makes sense, and like you've been kind of <laughs> subtly preparing for this without yeah. realizing it was here. Do you find mm-hmm. yourself kind of thinking like, holy shit, like this is what I've been preparing for? Unknowing. Yeah, absolutely. That's how I think that's how a lot of us feel, especially yeah. the people that are all in. I think there's some people who are like. Oh, this is interesting. I'll play with this for a minute. And I'm like, no, this is what I'm dedicating my life to. Yeah. Um, because I have been preparing for this my whole life. I had no idea that it would come this quickly, but this is the culmination of everything I've been working on for my entire life. It's community, it's creativity, it's it's this many sum game, it's all ships rise with the tide. It's it's like exactly what I want out of a creative lifestyle. And you know take all the money out of it, take all the, you know, um, technology out of it, take everything out of it. And I'm already grateful for, you know, this, I'm grateful for this conversation. I'm grateful for all the people I met last night at this event I was at. I'm grateful for, you know, being closer with artists I've met over the internet. Um, it's anytime there's a paradigm shift, like it also reshuffles your communities. And that alone is, is, is priceless to me. Um, and so I'm very like, I'm just all in, in a way that I have never been all in on anything. And like, I just, I don't think that I'm like begging artists to take it seriously. Cause there's so many people that are like, oh yeah, I'll get around to it. I'm like, no, like now, <laughs> <laughs> now. we're still early <laughs> because it's going to take them. Like, you know, it took me six months to understand not, I, I still am lost. You know, we're all making this up as we go, <laughs> but it, it took me like six months to get to a point of like seeing patterns in the market and being like, okay, like this is why people are, cl-. I didn't like wake up and be like, oh, this, the evolution of like, you know, our evolutionary environment is informing. Us. That's all like <laughs> a product of a year of thinking about this and, and watching how people are behaving and the tribalism and the amount of credence people put into owning digital assets. Like it's, I'm astounded. I'm astounded by myself. Like I'll give you a couple examples. Like one is like, I'm so attached to some of the NFTs I've collected it's a symbol. It's like a symbol of ownership yep. that is very abstract. And it's like, I didn't expect to be so attached to these things. Like there's pieces I can't sell. Like I can't, like they, somebody could be like a hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, 
I kind we kind of got into it to like make a little bit of money, and now I find myself like I can't sell any of these. Tell me about it. Oh yeah, and then even worse. I'll, I'll give you the opposite example. Is like, do you know uh, Franklin Fitch? No, not familiar. Oh, you got you guys got to talk to him. He's like he uh, write that down. I think he's like I don't want to get his title wrong, but he's you know helping run Block Party, the platform. Oh yeah. Um, okay. But he is like that. I just want to copy trade him for the rest of my life. He's made the best calls. He called Parallel NFT like in in like early March. It was like this is going to be the biggest project. Um, but he told me to buy uh he told me to buy a fuzzy squiggle, and I bought a fuzzy squiggle, and. <laughs> There was just, a, I had a really like rough month in like April because I wasn't like really dropping any NFTs. I was, I over collected in March. I bought a bunch of like open editions on Nifty Gateway, got absolutely wrecked. <laughs> and I was just like, I got like really cold feet, not for the whole space, but I was like, I need to slow down. I need to sell some of these assets. Wait, something weird's going on here. It was like, yeah, it was different then. Yeah. So I, you know, I listed a bunch of things. And one of the things I listed, I listed my squiggle. <laughs> and then like i forgot about it and i was like whatever it's just a squiggly line like a no big deal and then in june somebody bought it i was like oh like i made a you know i made a couple hundred bucks like great the floor on those squiggles is like 18 ETH now. <laughs> <laughs> i have nightmares about this fuzzy squiggle i'm so glad never to hear that it. everyone has these stories thank god yep. oh my it's not god just i'm us. never like i'm never gonna get over it like at my wedding i'll be like to be like oh like what are some moments i'll be like oh, I'm, i missed the squiggle <laughs> when i could have gotten i don't know 40 grand from this fuzzy squiggle. oh but i think it'll be even more which is the yeah. crazy part like i think it'll be like 100 eth next year like yep. and it's just i sold it at 1.4 eth and it's just <laughs> I'm, it's a tragedy it's a fuzzy squiggle man hey i mean i was a, the first people resale for an into the ether made a couple oh, wow. grand yeah. Yeah. And, and slowly watching that go up has been fun. There's been plenty. It's just like trial and error. And it's and it's fucking fun, man. It's just like yeah. an opportunity to dive in and you're like war stories, trading, playing, collecting. Yeah. I just then... bought a floor cool cat after like when the time announcement <laughs> came out. I was like, all right, I'll buy a cat. I missed the apes. I missed I missed punks. I missed everything. I was like, I'm not missing this one. I, I'll I'll take the four thousand dollar bet. But uh it's fascinating. I think that even the profile picture stuff like I, that's not my style like I'm, I'm i'm into the art but i'm i'm amazed at the momentum that is still there for it like almost every one of these drops sells out like yeah there's very well, few that like, it's crazy i started thinking about it and like i was always thinking like ten thousand. that's so many like if someone did an open edition that was ten thousand, that would be terrible and then you start thinking long term it's like ten thousand apes right if there's a million people collecting nfts it's a kind of a small group yeah, you know, and there's room for all these 10k projects that I thought were flooding the market, but I think it's just there's, there's not enough people yet, and they will yeah. be here. Oh yeah, um, and then they'll go back and buy up the floors, and and I just it's crazy, <laughs> and it, it it definitely like exceeded my. I thought we'd be way past the the rush of of these projects by now, and it's still like people are so excited about them. And I remember when apes were like point. They originally meant to mint it for 0.08, maybe. Yeah, something like that. I and then they were like 0.21. They were like 0.4, 0.5 ETH. And I was like, like, missed that boat. <laughs> All right. So Same. I just like completely ignored it. Yeah, but like, I was like, yeah. I won't buy one of those for half an ETH. No I made, way. Yeah, I made I like, sure to timestamp it. So we'll we'll have to send you the clip of <laughs> of me trying to convince Tyler to buy one. And he's like, nah, I'm not, I, I missed it, man. It's too late. 0.3, yeah. no, it's too much money. Meanwhile, but if you still, bought 10, you'd be like retired right now. <laughs> I know. Like I sold one and I, I made a lot of money 
and I sold it too soon. <laughs> I still yeah. sold it too soon. Like I sold it at a price where like, holy shit, I just yeah. made a good chunk of change and I regret it. <laughs> so, I, I think most NFTs like right trading. now, like if you, if you're selling them, you're selling them too soon right now. Yeah. Period. Yeah. There's going to be more buyers like soonish. Yep. <laughs> I made some really good early, but like the first NFT I bought was Silva's and thank you X's. Yeah. Um, but, but that same night <laughs> I bought an open edition uh, from Fuocious. Nice. And it was 350 bucks. And I, I remember clicking that button and being like, I'm an idiot. Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, it was still so early in my journey. And I remember I was actually home for Christmas with my parents. And my parents were like, what are you doing? I was like, um, I'm buying a JPEG for $350. And they're like, what, like, what are you talking about? I was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then in March, that, that same NFT was selling at $17,000. Yeah, um, I, I held mine and now it's, I think it's like, I think it's trading at like 8,000 or like $7,000. Um, but that to me is like a long-term hold. Like that's a piece of history. And like, there's only 250 or 278 or something like that. Yeah. Like I, I kind of, I could have sold it in March for 17 and then bought two now. Right. But it's just, I'm not good at timing the markets like that. I don't know. I'm just no. like, I'm just going to hold it. I'm, I don't I'm think anyone squiggle tragedy. Yeah. Just no do, one can figure this out. Join the club. We'll actually, we'll, we'll make a section of all ships. that's just poorly timed market movers. Dude, let's do an article i swear like let's tell the worst worst stories yes exactly um, well like look at like pranksy like right so pranksy he had like the biggest supply of apes right yeah probably yep. i don't know the numbers but uh i thought he like was the ape guy at one point i was like did pranksy make this project because every one i would see yeah he like, he owned like you know I, mean, I don't know about hundreds but he, he had a lot of them and yeah, um, yeah. everyone was like yelling you know oh like you're 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 pumping and dumping these and like you're get, like you know <laughs> you're making so much money off of everybody and like he sold them all apparently i think fact check me i don't know we're not a, he yeah. put out a tweet that was like you know people were accusing me of like you know but like look just think about how many people like are rich off that now yeah <laughs> because he sold too early and it's like you know even the people that are, we consider like the best traders in the space like you, you can't if you're gonna play you're gonna you know you're going to miss, you're going to miss, you're going to sell too early. You're going to, there's just too much going on to keep track of really. I wanted to jump back to async art because yeah. I was actually thinking, looking at the Venice piece, right. Let's use that <clears throat> as an example. I would love to see the time-lapse video without Zulo stuff. And then maybe gradually over time, it's forming into the city that like he built. Yeah, that's a cool idea. You know, um, I, I really like that. We actually did some behind, like we did a behind the scenes, like breakdown. Uh, and like he like layered it, and so he already got to watch that. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know where it is. I can just send you a link to it. Actually, I think I have my Dropbox. But it's cool to see like the the, pa the different like passes going over, and like it just changes. Um, Async is really interesting uh, for me. Like I've I've done a lot of photography that is layer based, in terms of like I do you know the photographer Edward Moybridge? He was he he basically is like the father of modern cinema in a really abstract way because. Mm. He used stroboscopic photography, which is like um, you use a strobe light to like illuminate a moment, mm -hmm. uh, but like over and over and over. So like it, it's a famous thing. I'm sure you've seen it. It's like the horses running. He was the oh, first yeah. person to prove that horses have all four of their feet off the ground when they run. Because like he's the first person to freeze that moment. Well, you can tell when you're in a strobe light, depending on how fast it's going, it takes like frames. You know, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so once people saw like the frame, like he could make all these frames and exposures, they're like, oh, like if you just repeat those frames 
fast enough, you can make film video. Mm-hmm. And like, that's how, that's how uh, film began. Get um, out of here. So, okay. Yeah. So we're starting with just photography showing that you could take a bunch of frames and line them up and make video out of it. Yeah. Wow. What a concept. So that, that, motion. Yeah. Issue. So I started this project doing this with dancers and stuff like that, where I would shoot, you know, I don't need a strobe light anymore because the technology is so crazy. My camera shoots 30 frames a second. So I'll have a dancer or like a skateboarder or somebody walking down the street. I was going, and then in Photoshop, I, I, I separate each layer out and I can overlay it all in one frame. Oh shit. So I did this project called street sequence where it was like just street photography, but like you'd see them like almost like a cat, they look like a caterpillar. Cause it's like all their like overlaid on themselves. And I'm thinking about bringing that to async and having like each layer is a separate thing. You can change each layer, but it, all affects the master, which is this like all one frame. Yeah. So we'll see. I had this concept that I came up with this morning <laughs> and I was thinking, how cool would it be to have a separate camera, right? You just bring this to other shoots with you or it could be personal, whatever you want to use it for, but it's linked to a digital frame with an NFT in it. And it just rotates through the last shot from that camera. And so it's like oh, your cool. personal window of like, as you take a new picture, that is what's displayed on the display. That's pretty dope. I really love that idea. Shouldn't have told me that. Yeah. <laughs> no, please run with it. You don't want to see my photos. But I you think could do that. Like you could just have concepts. a bot. Yeah. yeah. You could just really like have a folder that is synced with, you know, a back end where like every time you drop a photo in that folder, it like goes into the sequence. Yeah. The contract can like, facilitate that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Damn. But I think there's all sorts of things that we could do with NFTs and photography. Like, what are some things that you've thought about that you can even talk about? I'm sure you have things that are under the radar, but. Yeah, I think, um, I think the possibilities are actually infinite right now because it's, the technology is so new to to many. And I think that like, we're going to see like tons of stuff with like fractionalization, um, just the technology of like tokenization is so there's so many different areas it's going into like who's going to do like the first like photography based yield farming DeFi project like <laughs> why not you know yeah um you could even like set up a system that like the yield farming is called like you know developing and like in order to reveal on the next photo in the series like you have to have a certain amount of ETH staked in the pool like in the pool and like over time, whatever level of like developer you have in the, in like that pool, like reveals more NFT artwork that gets distributed amongst the community. Like that's just like off the top of my head. I don't know. Uh, Just to prove that there's limitless potential for this technology. And I think we're just, we're just like scratching the surface. Like the simplest thing you can do with NFTs and photography is tokenize your art. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like, that's like level base one. level. Yeah. Yeah. That's like level one. We're going to go so much further than that. So it's like really exciting. And I think the main thing right now is just onboarding artists and like building out that community in the same way that like, I was so excited to see people get into photography because that means that like, I can talk to more people about photography. They have a deeper appreciation because they've participated in photography. That same thing is like, we need to get everybody a MetaMask so that they know what we're talking about. Right. Because like, otherwise they're just like, you know, still in my communities, it's like, nine out of 10 people are talking about NBA championships or something. And then me and one other person in the corner are like, but like, did you see what happened on NFT Twitter? Like five minutes ago? <laughs> and uh, you know, we're still in that era. Just like when social media came out, I was very early to Instagram. 
And I was begging my creative friends. I'm like, please take this seriously. Like if you're in now, it's, you're going to be like, you know, you get moved with the, with the network, you get network effect. Yeah. So if you, if you're an early node in that network, like you will have, you don't have to, you won't have to work as hard later to be relevant. You'll just be relevant. And then you can free up your mind to do creative things. With I, I just, we're having another moment like that where most people are ignoring this again. And most of my creative friends are just like, yeah, like I'll get around to it. I'm like, no, no, you won't. You're, <laughs> you're going to beg me in a year to like send you ETH and, and how, like, how, you know, <laughs> you, they will, like, I yeah. swear in the Ooh. same way that those same friends would like beg me to help them, you know, build up their Instagram networks, if, whether they're musicians or writers, or it became like a necessary tool for everybody. And NFTs will absolutely become a necessary tool for everybody. I'm like, actually one of the people I'm most impressed by, like, I can't believe how good Gary V is at describing this stuff. And he says the same thing. He's like, this happened with social media. Yeah. He's like, yeah. most people told me I was crazy. And same with me. People were like, I remember my, some of my photography mentors even were like, like, so you're giving your photos away for free on the internet? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Like, it's not giving them away for free. I'm trading social capital. Yeah. Right. And now the same thing is happening where instead of social capital, there's actually capital there's like yeah. there's a native <laughs> capital, currency, capital which is yeah. which is the ethereum network right is like a more formalized currency exchange system that is that's attached to all this culture and art and connection and community and so instead of me on instagram you know i have i have an actual exchange rate for my instagram posts right i can trade my instagram posts for usd but now like i my hope is that we're entering an era where i don't even have to do that i get like these systems of like DAOs and communities and tokenization of art create value flows that are like just have this native currency where I don't have to like have these convoluted negotiations and contracts and lawyers and, and net 30, net 90. Like what? Why would I do that when, <laughs> when I can sell an NFT and immediately the funds are in my wallet and then I can yeah. deploy those funds and collect from other artists and and, you know, I like to buy like two pieces from a favorite artist and flip one and pay that pays for the other. And like, yeah, <laughs> then I can, then I can hold that with no guilt, like forever and just see it. Maybe it pops off. Maybe it's a million dollars in two years. So I think that um, I've never been so excited for, for creatives. And I just, again, like, I, I can't hammer this into people's minds enough, but like, pay attention, please pay attention. And that's what so back to Silva. Like that's what Silva always said to me. And if you go look at his Twitter back in like last November, half his tweets are like, pay attention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're like tweet a link and be like, pay attention, pay attention. And you know, hundreds of people paid attention to him and now they're thriving in the world of NFTs. And I'm just glad to be one of them. Same. I mean, we were far from crypto native dudes before this and, and just understanding the technology behind figuring out how to buy art that we liked was is just a whole nother aspect that's just kind of beneficial accidentally. Because, because like you have to learn this stuff to be able to get in um mm -hmm. and and if you you know if you don't you know have a trial by fire or properly understand what you're doing it's just you're just going to stop so yeah yeah it's getting over that first hurdle which is which is huge um i think nifty gateway helped out with that a lot but being you know usd based it like i think sergito said it where it was like an on-ramp to crypto basically mm -hmm. I think that that platform was helpful in, in that aspect of getting more people who are not crypto native trading art online. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely my entry. I mean, I didn't have a MetaMask when I first collected my first NFT. I, yeah, I mean, it's funny, like I take it so for granted now, but like the technology barrier was actually like pretty 
hard to get through for me. And I'm a very like tech savvy person. So I kind of like want to constantly remind myself to like make myself available to people who are eager to be onboarded and like focus my attention on those people as, as opposed to like trying to convince the skeptics. Like, I'm like, nope, I'm not interested in convincing skeptics yeah. anymore. I'm yeah. not if you don't believe it, you. yeah, you can stay on the sidelines. Then. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, my door, but my door is definitely open to people who will take it seriously. And my door is also open to artists who bounced off the space. You know, back in February and March, there was like all this outrage about, you know, a lot of misinformation flowing around, flying around about the environment and, and the cost, you know, environmental cost of the blockchain. And then a lot of misinformation. There, there's all these articles like why NFTs are a pyramid scheme and blah, blah, blah. And they yeah. went viral because people, yeah. it's people would rather attack something than learn something new. It's really hard to like ch fundamentally change your understanding of technology and the potential of that technology. And it's way easier to be like, oh, I knew that was bullshit. Here's why. And just reshare right. an article and be like, now I don't have to pay attention. I can go yeah. back to doing things the way I always did and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but I, I say all that to say that, like, if you're one of those people who bounced off the space, either because you, you know, didn't get it or because you, uh, absorbed a lot of misinformation and thought that it would kill the environment or something like that. Um, my door is definitely open to you still. And you, like, you, you know, DM me, let's talk. I'll get, get you on MetaMask. Let's start, let's start doing this thing because we, we, this is a, this is an incredibly powerful tool for creatives to kind of free themselves from attention economies and to free themselves from, you know, almost every artist I know does their personal work, makes no money off of it. And then, you know, sells their time to corporations to sell sugary drinks or, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever else people need to be sold. So this is a way to kind of decouple yourself from those systems and if you're good at it, you can you can really thrive and maybe build generational wealth for you and your family. I have one more freebie, uh, an sure. NFT photography freebie here, and it's Just missing. Them out. It's missing something. I'm so going to thrive off your all of yeah. your ideas, bro. Careful. Right. <laughs> Try to add something to this because it's missing something. But I'm thinking of a geolocation like based thing where imagine like a QR code. We'll say it's like near the Brooklyn Bridge or something, right? And if you have an iPhone or any kind of like smartphone, you could scan the QR code that opts you into this NFT and any picture that you take in this area gets added to this like mosaic or something. And these people can mm -hmm. all like opt in and like all their pictures are included in this like collage or mosaic. Have you, do you know about Superworld? No. Okay. Look up. Superworld. Did I just describe it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a, Brilliant I mean, idea. there's a lot of different apps that are doing this. There's, uh, I think Upland is another one, but I know the team from Superworld and they're very smart and awesome. And it's a one-to-one -one map of the globe and it's an AR layer mm -hmm. and you can buy plots of like, you know, you could buy Times Square, right? I think it's probably yes. already claimed, but uh, then when you go there, the idea is that you can have an AR gallery that like only you, if you're logged into like the Superworld protocol or, or the app or whatever you yeah. want to call it, that layer is like owned by you and you, you know, in the, in the near future, when everybody has augmented reality, either glasses or contacts or neural link, who knows? Yeah. You'll be able to kind of log into people's collections and wallets and like wander and see their version of New York. Wow. And yeah, I'm actually like, I'm trying to write a sci-fi story about, um, not about Superworld, but about, I'm way more bullish on AR than VR. Like when yeah. people are like, oh, like crypto voxels. And like, I think all that stuff's fascinating and really cool. But like, we're not, 
we're still in a in a real world, right? We would need like, the I'm, treadmill technology. Yeah, no, like, it's like yeah. I think that I think that the main way that artists will thrive is by being present mm -hmm. in this like meta layer that exists over the physical world. Like, how cool would it be if like my wallet is like my digital soul, and like as I'm walking through New York City and other people are looking at me. Like I, I'm giving out this signal and like, literally like I could have this like, you know, ghostly apparition, like swirling around me and like in and out and like, tra you know, tracking my body movement. My fashion could be augmented by these layers of 3d, like, you know, bracelets and gloves and, you know, uh, like hats and, and stuff like that. Or I could just like, you know, with the, with the flick of a wrist be like, oh, here's my, like, here's like a favorite NFT of mine. That's like hovering above, above, right. above my hand. We could like play chess in the park and uh, as holograms, like that's the world that I'm I'm preparing for. And that's, that's without headsets happen. on, right? So you can yeah, see no, people that's just in like, the real world, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, we're close enough with contact lenses, we're close enough with glasses. You know, I'm not talking about like, Google Glass, like putting like, you know, a little mm -hmm. weather information in the top. I'm talking about like, like Magic Leap technology where it's like you actually like are tracking and like the whole world will be this like beautiful digital game that we're all kind of, walking through in a way that like i'm a big video game guy and like i'm like i've been preparing for this my whole life as well yeah. <laughs> yeah. and if so, the key to unlock all of this kind of stuff exactly and because you can't really have these worlds without ownership in the sense because we're so used to society where you know space is owned like property is owned uh content is owned you can't even put up a billboard without owning the rights to whatever you know that image um so as long as nfts continue to be uh that immutable sense of digital ownership i think that the future is very bright for those kind of augmented realities that that we're going to be entering into this is insane super world is insane <laughs> okay I, I can't wait to die yeah. i just i yeah, just shout out super world. i just cracked the service but yeah i'm gonna be taking a deep dive that's like that's yeah cool. they're, they're pretty cool and i i talked to their founder and he's like a really interesting guy um and and very forward thinking and I, I actually like need to get more involved with them because they've been really kind and i think that i think they're ahead of the game here because i think that's like absolute like somebody's gonna have like the best mapped ar protocol all over the world and uh it's a little like arms race for that right now there's definitely competing ones and i think that so the book i'm trying to write i'm like starting on it is basically a world in which like there's all these competing different overlays so like, you know, there, there could be a super world overlay and then like an upland over overlay. And like, I'm sure there's going to be many, many more, um, you know, there's the one that is Ethereum like mapped to the moon. That's like doing really well right now. I don't know if you've seen anything about that. No. There's like a, there, there's like a 2017 or 18 project uh, that was like selling plots of the moon. Okay. And now like the floor just went up like, you know. 20x overnight and you know so there'll be all these different protocols and there'll be one like wrapped around mars and stuff like that um so i'm like the book i'm writing is kind of just like how can you like tell a story about that world and like the experience of like you know solving some like noir like murder mystery within that world of the overlay so i'm like really like i just love thinking about this stuff because most of my ideas and and like excitement about all this technology comes from reading science fiction like Asimov. We're living it now. And, yeah. And it's like, like a lot of what they wrote about it has, has come true. And like, you know, I'm a big Star Trek fan and like looking at that and like, what's funny to me is like, they're always ahead of their time and then but they always get it wrong. But like the people who are inventing the technologies we use, like the iPhone and all that stuff is like, they, they come from science fiction first and then they 
come into reality and like they make the product that they imagined from being inspired by sci-fi and then those products turn into new sci-fi films and like ways to use it and then those inspire the next generation of technologists and inventors and it's like that's what i love about like creativity and technology again is that they're in this dance this like beautiful dance where technology requires creative thinking and because humans have this incredible ability to simulate the future and simulate things in their mind and be like oh we can do that and then once you do it the potential for what you can imagine changes and then you can put even newer things into the world right and so like that's what i'm seeing with blockchain nfts art everything it's just like this constant acceleration of ideas it's a continuous self-fulfilling prophecy basically yeah exactly yeah. a perpetual invention machine okay. i have one psychology question for you before sure. we leave, and you may or may not have the answer to this because it's more physiological but what what causes the reaction to like have your hair stand up when you look at something or hear music that you like really connect to? Do you know what's going on there? No, I don't. Unfortunately. <laughs> Damn, that was anticlimactic. I'm going to look it up and put that in here. I would say what I think about that is that it's part of part of like, I think everything that we experience is basically the product of what helped us survive. And I think that that, especially with music and, you know, music is a form of communication. Um, look at birds, look at, you know, all this incredible out these incredible um, allegories in the natural world. And music is something that unites us and makes our community stronger. And then we rally around it. And it's a, it's an, again, a further abstraction of, of our ability to communicate with each other through audio. And I think the feeling of getting chills or feeling like, you know, seeing a piece of art and being moved are things that tie us deeper into the cultures that we ascribe to. And, you know, everything I think is community-based. We're social creatures and it was essential for our survival to have that like harmony and sense of unity. And if you can get like a visceral reaction from something, you are, you are much more tied into it than you would be without that. So I think it's a, a physiological like hook that like really keeps us, keeps our community bonds strong. That's my, that's my answer. Sounds right. We'll that, go with that. That was a great answer for, for not having an answer. <laughs> That's how awesome. everything we learn on the podcast, we just take it for a hundred percent truth. Yeah. Just yeah. don't, don't check into this. Yeah. Thing. Don't fact check. Yeah. Yep. Just assume. Yeah. It, it's all Definitely well known. <laughs> yeah. It's all well known by now that we don't know what we're talking about. So no, definitely financial advice. That's our, that's our yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but dude, it's been a pleasure to meet you and talk to you get to know you a little bit, man. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Thank you guys so much for giving me the opportunity to have this conversation, express my thoughts. Like I learned a lot just by talking to you guys and talking through things. And I'm so excited. And, and thank you guys for, for giving artists the opportunity to tell their stories and, and to share what's happening. Because I think like these, these will be historical documents. You know, this is, this is really the beginning of something beautiful. So thank you both for all you do. And uh, I really look forward to, to watching a bunch of these and seeing who else you guys get on the air. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, well thanks, Dave. Um, keep building up communities out there. That seems to be your number one priority. Yeah. And that's, I think that's, what's going to move the space forward. So awesome. And yeah, to, to your listeners, please join us at allships.co. There's hundreds of articles up about different artists, my favorite people in the space. We have a podcast yep. you can find there. You can join our discord, hop in and yeah, we're just getting started with all that stuff too. So, so yeah, everyone's welcome. There's space for everyone, as we say. And, uh, I'm I'm really excited about the future of the space. Yep. Yep. All started with a rowboat, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> we'll have all, everybody go listen to RD's interview as well. It's very good. Man, I got to go find those negatives because people keep bringing this up because I was so passionate about a rowboat. And it's a photo I took when I was nine. So if I saw those negatives somewhere, which I'm sure I do because I'm a little uh, protective of my archives, I will Hunter gatherer, you know, you yeah. got a whole exactly. bunch of resources. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. go back into my, my, my uh, photography pouches and find it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, dude. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Awesome, man. Thank you guys so much. Speak soon. Thanks, man. See you later. Talk soon. Peace. Damn, that's nifty.